0: You please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor. Well, welcome once again to Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis White. I am the pastor of weekend services, and we're closing out our series entitled For Your Neighbours today, and I'm being joined by a very special person, and that is my wife. Hi everyone. Woo!
1: Yo. There we go. My name's Rachel. Thank you, everyone. That's so kind. As well as being Ellis's wife, I'm also the life group coordinator at Chapel Hill, um, and I'm also training to be a pastor. Um, the last few weeks, we've been in this series learning how to really love our neighbors. Pastor Mark began by sharing that loving our neighbor is not an optional extra to our faith, but according to Jesus, is actually on a par with loving God. Not only that, but he shared with us that we often try and wriggle out of loving our literal neighbor by interpreting neighbor to mean everyone. But if everyone's our neighbor, then no one is our neighbor. And so we've been spending time talking about what it might look like to love our literal living next door to us neighbors.
0: Over the last few weeks, Pastor Mark has shared with us three different practices that we can engage in to better love our neighbors. First of all, if we're going to love our neighbors, we have to know our neighbors. How can you love someone you don't know? Second, how are our neighbors going to know that we love them if we aren't willing to do something practical? So serve was the second practice that he put before us. And the third one was for us to host our neighbors, to love them with the Ministry of Hospitality. But to be honest, I wonder if we, we all started doing this. We all started knowing, serving, hosting. We started doing this to all our neighbors. I wonder if some of them might perceive that we'd strapped on a, a super neighbor cape and started flying around the neighborhood trying to be the best neighbor that we can be.
1: I remember this one time that I was so desperate to love our neighbors and to demonstrate the love of Jesus to them, that I was looking for any possible opportunity to serve them. And we had this couple that lived across the street from us. They just found out that they were pregnant um, and expecting their, their child. And she shared with me, the wife of this couple, she shared with me on the driveway one day, that she was kind of worried about how they were going to pay for all this baby stuff. And so I saw my moment. Right then and there, I pulled open my garage and started handing her one thing after another till there was this giant pile on the driveway of all this baby stuff. We had everything they needed. The very next day, both members of this couple were out on the driveway again, and they were both just effusing gratitude for how kind this was, how amazing this was. But where conversation before had previously been able to move easily into other areas of conversation, into other topics, today it just kind of got stuck on, wow, aren't you so amazing and how could we ever repay you? So suddenly that I felt this kind of divide between us, like before we'd been equals and now I've been put on a pedestal.
0: It can be easy if we are to love our neighbors for it to become kind of a, a one-way set of relationships. And the reality is that relationships don't work if, if, if they're always moving in one direction. One of the amazing things about Jesus is that although he came to serve humanity, ultimately laying down his life, he was also willing to accept help and service from others. And this weekend, we're going to take a look at another party that Jesus attended, but this time... The host of the party is a respectable religious leader, and yet there's to be a rude interruption in the midst of the gathering. We're going to be in Luke 7, verse 36 and following. It's going to be on the screens. If you want to follow along, you're also welcome to grab a Bible and open that up.
1: So here's Luke 7, 36 and following. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him.
0: So this is a story that we find in all four accounts of Jesus's life, all four of the Gospels, and there's a few details that are different between each of the accounts. In fact, some scholars even think this happened on two different occasions with two different women. But regardless, I I think the Gospel writers are trying to convey to us that this was an important thing that took place in the life of Jesus. Jesus is at a party, once again, like we saw last week. Last week he was... Dining with sinners, air quotes, with Matthew, the tax collector. This week, he's dining with righteous people, again, in air quotes. And I, I love this about Jesus. He doesn't discriminate in his responses to dinner party invites. He doesn't say yes to one group and, and no to another. He He is equally inclined to dine with those who are social outcasts as he is with those who are respectable members of the community. But this dinner party is interrupted by a woman who comes in and from this passage we can infer that she was a prostitute. And she comes in carrying this alabaster jar full of perfume. One of the other gospel writers records that it would have been worth about one year's wages. So obviously far nicer than anything I've ever got you for Christmas.
1: (laughs) True. She approaches Jesus from behind, which sounds a little bit strange until you can picture how Jesus is lying. Um, Alice, I wonder if you'd mind demonstrating for us.
0: You want me to lie down? Can you
1: lie down on the stage but for us? I'm wearing
0: a suit That's this okay. morning. That's
1: okay. Go for it.
0: Are you sure? Yep. You Even
1: g- at the 9 a.m. you got to do this. <laughs>
0: Are you going to dry clean it for me? Or?
1: <laughs> you oh. yeah, there you go. Get down. Like this? Can you fit? Here, maybe I should No, no, ready. I'm good, I'm, I'm good. going to push you off the stage. So that, like the table
0: over here? <laughs> That's right. Eating the food? <laughs> That's I can imagine them <laughs> You just see,
1: when they lay down at the table... <laughs> They kept their stinky feet as far away from the food as possible. And so this prostitute approaches Jesus from behind. She kneels down at his feet and she's crying. So her tears are falling on Jesus' feet. She grabs the perfume. I know this looks funny. (laughs) She grabs the perfume. She opens up the perfume. She pours it all over his feet. And then she takes her hair and she starts wiping his feet. with the tears and the perfume with her hair. Then perhaps most shocking of all, she starts kissing his feet. Well, I'm not going to kiss Ulsa's feet. (laughs) Go on. No way. I've never kissed Ulsa's feet. I don't plan on doing it today. Now, as you can imagine, everyone who was at this dinner party was totally shocked by what they saw. They were shocked that Jesus would allow such a woman to come anywhere near him, never mind perform such an act upon him. You can get up
0: now. Are you sure? I thought I'd preach from down here.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to sit down it's if you want I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> oh, as we considered this passage and reflected upon it, we began to realize that it shows us something very significant about how Jesus demonstrated his love for others while he was here on earth. We often think of Jesus as the servant. He, he even said himself, I, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. We so often think of Jesus as the one who is healing and and teaching and and giving of himself to others and, and others simply receive from Jesus. And yet here we have an instance of that being reversed, of Jesus receiving love from another, being served by another, perhaps the most unlikely of people for him to receive that love from. And as I mentioned earlier, if we go about loving our neighbors in this kind of one-way direction where we're serving them and hosting them and, and it's just all about us giving to them, we're going to fall short of the love that Jesus demonstrated for others while he was here on earth. Jesus showed us what it looked like to have a two-way relationship with those He came to love. And I think we can learn from Jesus in this passage some valuable lessons that we can apply to the loving of our neighbors.
1: There's a couple of different things that we see in this passage that Jesus does that we believe can help us as we think through how to really love our neighbors humility and vulnerability. First, Jesus shows great humility in the way that he was willing to be served. He wasn't too high and mighty to accept this act of love from a person whom the religious people would have shunned. It's very telling the reaction of the host who in verse 39 says, If this man really were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. The implication is that Jesus ought to have more pride in his position. Jesus was a respected member of a community unlike this woman. This was totally improper behavior for someone of Jesus' stature. And yet, Jesus did not think so. Jesus did not think himself too great to receive this act of love from this woman. In fact, in Mark's account of this story, we find Jesus calling this act a beautiful thing. Jesus knew who this woman was. Jesus knew her whole story. He knew everything she had done. And yet he did not turn her away because it would have damaged his reputation or his public image. Jesus was far more concerned for this woman, for this opportunity for her to demonstrate love to him, than he was for his own image.
0: One Saturday morning, I was on my way to a deacon's retreat, and I had to stop off and pick up some cookies at Albertsons, and when I got back to the car, I put my key in the ignition and turned it, and nothing, absolutely nothing, I couldn't get it to start. But you know, I I hate asking for help so much that I, I bought one of those battery packs from Costco that has the little jumper cables on it, have you seen them? So I grabbed it out of the trunk, strapped it on, pressed the button, got back in, still nothing. It's alright, I'm prepared, I pay a few bucks a month for roadside assistance. So I called them up and I said, can you send someone out? And they said, yeah, we'll be there in like one to two hours. <sighs> well, I live like five minutes walk from Albertson, so I said, I'm not waiting here, I'm going to walk home. So I walked back and I got home, I get home and outside I see our neighbours, the very same neighbours that Rachel had given that baby stuff to just a few months beforehand. And the husband of this couple, I happen to know that he used to own and operate a towing company. I mean, if you ever need someone to help you when your car's broken down, he's probably the guy that you want to ask, right? But did I want to ask him for help? No. Of course not. I, I shared with Rachel the situation I was in, and I said, hey, you know, our neighbor used to operate a towing company, but I've got this under control. We've got roadside assistance, they're coming out. And she said to me, Ellis, you really need to get to this deacon's retreat. I'm sure you'd get there a lot quicker if you just asked for some help. So, I swallowed my pride, I walked outside, and I said to him, Hey, this is what's going on, any chance you could give me a hand? And before I knew it, we were in his truck, he'd driven me over to Albertson's, he'd got the jumper cables out, he was trying to start the car, and it it wouldn't start. So then he took me to Costco, and he knew exactly what needed to happen, he bought a new battery, bought the right one, brought it back, and to be honest, as you probably gathered by now, I'm about as useful with cars as an elephant in a minefield. (laughs) And so... He even had his toolkit in the back of his truck ready to change my battery. I'd never changed a battery in my life. And there he was, bam, 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 bam. Done it, strapped it on, and the car started. And before I knew it, I was on my way to the deacon's retreat.
1: So Ellis learned what it meant to humble himself and swallow his pride. And personally, I am very thankful that he was willing to go through that. It really did change our relationship with those neighbours to be much more two-way again, much more meaningful. Um, and because of when they saw that we needed help too, um, they saw that we were no longer on this pedestal. That made such a difference to our relationship. Um, it made it much more um, two-directional yeah
0: we were more peers than than it being one way so Jesus demonstrated humility in this passage he was willing to lay aside this kind of respectable position that he was in and, and make himself equal with this woman now the second thing that we see Jesus demonstrating in this passage is vulnerability I don't know if you've ever done a foot-washing ceremony, maybe at at another church. Or I was part of a youth group once, and we did this foot-washing ceremony, and it's just weird. Like, no one should ever touch anyone's feet, ever. Especially not mine. I've never had a pedicure. I don't plan on it. There's something really intimate about the act of another person touching your feet. And here we see this woman coming in, and, and not only does she wash Jesus' feet, but she washes his feet with her tears and her hair. You know, w- we generally don't like to cry in front of other people. That's something we prefer to do in private. And, and here's this woman crying in, in front of a whole room full of people. And not only is she crying, but she's crying all over Jesus' feet. And then in that time, women were supposed to keep their hair hidden. Unless they were in the private of their own homes. And yet here she is in front of a a group of men with her hair down. And and not only that, but she's using her hair to wash Jesus' feet. I mean, this woman is a prostitute. And she's doing this in front of a group of men. And there's Jesus and he's just sitting, he's lying there and he's letting her do it. He's putting himself in an incredibly vulnerable position. He has no defense in the position that he is in. And yet, he was determined to receive love from this woman in this way.
1: Some time ago, we had neighbors um, who we'll call Jack and Lucy, um, who we've been getting to know, and one night, around 10 o'clock at night, there's this knock at the door. So I open the door, and there is standing Lucy, who I really don't know very well at the time, and she's totally distraught. She's crying. She's been locked out of her house. She's had this massive fight with Jack, and he's locked her out. She doesn't have her keys. She doesn't have her cell phone, and she really doesn't know what to do. So of course I invite her in and sit her down and start comforting her when she turns to Ellis and goes, would you mind going to talk to Jack?
0: My first thought was, Ellis, this isn't England. (laughs) This is America. They have guns. (laughs) And so I said to myself, maybe we should call the cops. (laughs) But then I looked back at Lucy and she was bawling her eyes out on the couch and I went, I don't think I can suggest that right now. So I got up and I tiptoed over to the house, not knowing what I was going to find. And as I approached the front door, I saw that it was slightly ajar. (sighs) So I went back home. I said, it's fine, Lucy. The door's open. You can go back home. She looked at me with tears streaming down her face. She said, please, will you go over there and talk to him? <sighs> okay, I'll be a good neighbor. So I went back over. I pushed the door open just a little bit more. Jack? Jack, it's Ellis. Jack, I'm coming in. <laughs> I got into the, the house still calling, Jack? jack and thank the lord he wasn't even there Whew. so i came back and i told lucy the house is open jack's not there can we just take you over maybe we can sit with you for a little bit in your house and, and maybe i can call jack and and so i did and i called him got through to him and we spent the whole evening with them just loving them just caring for them ministering to them in that time
1: A couple months later, I was going out to my garage to grab something late at night one day, um, and Jack was out by his garage, too, and we got talking, and as we're talking, he reflects, I know you guys are into all this Jesus stuff. He said, I I think Jesus is a good guy. Um, I hope that you guys can see that I'm a good guy too. Um, I, know, I know I'm know i into, I drink too much and I probably argue with my wife too much, um, but I think overall I'm a good person and I hope that you and God would accept me for that. In that moment, I was able to share with him that Jesus loved him just as he was. That the crazy thing about the good news is actually that we don't need to have it all together. We don't need to be perfect before Jesus would love us. That I was actually just as messed up and broken as he was. And he knew that our houses were about this close together. <laughs> and he knew. He knew the real me. He'd heard me yell at my kids before. And I knew the real him. this was after the story that we just shared with you. But none of that mattered. I was able to share with him that we loved having him and Lucy as our neighbors. And that more than that, Jesus loved him just as he was too.
0: Sometimes we need to be vulnerable in the way that we love our neighbors. And that can, that can look different ways. Sometimes it can look like Rachel being willing to share that she's just as flawed and, and broken as everyone else. Sometimes it can, can look like being willing to do something a little bit risky like I had to do in order to demonstrate that love. But when we are willing to be vulnerable, when we are willing to humble ourselves, when we're willing to practice these two things, we we take our relationships with our neighbors to the next level. And the opportunity for us to show them love is greatly increased. So Jesus demonstrated these these two things, humility and vulnerability in his interaction with this woman. And, And we believe that we should demonstrate both humility and vulnerability in our interactions with our neighbors.
1: So how do we practically do that? We want to suggest to you one way that you can do to demonstrate both humility and vulnerability to your neighbors. And take those relationships from maybe being one way to being a deeper, more meaningful two-way relationship. And it's really simple. It's hard. It's hard. But But it's really simple. simple. Ask your neighbor for help. Next time you notice that you have a need, big or small, take a minute to think, is this something I could ask for help with? Is this something I know a neighbor might be able to help with? Now, it could be tempting to start making up fake needs just to have an excuse to connect with your neighbors in this way. But I want to suggest to you that it's only in our genuine need that we can show true humility and vulnerability. So it's worth making sure that you don't shortcut your way to asking for help. Now, one of the biggest issues I think we struggle with in our context, that for most of us, that we have enough money and resources to never need to ask our neighbors for help. Moreover, many of us have been brought up to believe that it's wrong to impose ourselves upon someone else. I know that was how I was brought up. So the thought of asking a neighbor for help can sometimes even feel wrong.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't always this way. I mean, there was a time when if you ran out of eggs or flour or milk or sugar, sound like I'm baking a cake here, um, you could just go over to your neighbor's house and say, hey, could I could I have some some eggs? I've run out. There was a time when that wasn't weird, and, and now somehow it's become weird. I think we need to push against this. I think we need to, to overcome the awkward. I think we need to be, be willing to step out and, and be vulnerable, to humble ourselves in order to demonstrate love for our neighbors. When we moved into our new house, we had a number of projects that we needed. Well, you had a number of projects, I number of projects that I needed to do.
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: And I, I spent a lot of time and money at Home Depot, and I, you know I started I started to look at the power tools, and I started to think about what it would be like to fill out my collection, and be well resourced for any projects that could come up in the next fifty years or so. But Rachel, ever the practical-minded one reminded me that we were running out of money and that I couldn't afford to fulfill my consumeristic desires at this time in our lives. And she pointed out to me that we had a neighbor who had every power tool that we could ever need and that all I needed to do was ask him for help. And so, once again, I humbled myself, swallowed my pride, and I asked him, please, could I borrow some of your tools? And guess what? He said yes, and he went above and beyond. He actually came over and helped me with that project, and it resulted in in a deeper relationship. We got to talk about all sorts of stuff as we were working on these projects together.
1: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Maybe for you, it isn't borrowing eggs or tools. I know for me that asking for help has often looked like asking for help with my kids, saying yes, for example, to the offer from one of our neighbors to watch Evelyn the day that we moved house, even though that this particular neighbor had a really tiny baby at the time. Or it's like the many occasions where I've been running late to pick up Evelyn from the bus stop, and I've needed to text a neighbor to say, would you be there and pick up Evelyn? Even though that's kind of embarrassing, and I'd much rather be speeding my car and just arriving on time.
0: (laughs) So as we close this series, we want to encourage you to add... One more practice to your neighboring repertoire. Ask your neighbor for help. And it's, it's going to take a little bit of effort, right, to do this, because you're going to have to notice where you actually need some help. But when we do, when we take time to notice where we need help, when we're willing to humble ourselves and say, do you know what, I don't have it all together. When we're willing to be vulnerable, when we're willing to put ourselves in a, in a position where Maybe we're without a defense or we're willing to share how how flawed or or broken we really are. If we're willing to recognize those things in ourselves, I believe we can notice where it is that we can ask our neighbors to help. So we'd love you to add a a sticker to the map that's out there. We've got a blue dot for the ask your neighbor for help. Of course, Pastor Mark stole the gold star for his final sermon, as is his prerogative. But I wouldn't let him have the last word. So we'd love you to continue to stick stickers on that map. It's right out that door around to the left. You can see it up there on the wall in and, and any of these four ways. And we're not going to just get rid of the map when we finish the series. We believe this is something God is calling us to on an ongoing basis. So we're going to be keeping it up there. We're going to be talking about this in, in the weeks and months to come. And there's actually another way we'd love you to, to help us. And, uh, and actually, I should say, we're not doing this so we can be proud of ourselves, so we can give ourselves a pat on the back. We're doing this because we want to celebrate what God is doing in our midst, how God's turning our hearts outward.
1: So one way we would love to celebrate with you is to hear your stories of neighbouring. Um, We know that there are so many stories in this church where you guys are putting this into practice. So if you'd be willing to share your stories of neighboring, we've put some pieces of paper by the map that you can fill out your stories. If you're willing to share those with the congregation, we would love to have those. You can put them in the basket. Um, Another way you could share those with us is by emailing communications at chapelhillpc.org.
0: As we close this series out, I want us to remember that ultimately none of these acts are going to save us, even if they do earn us gold stars on a rewards chart. Ultimately, we all fall short of God's standards, as Rachel shared in that story with Jack. And it's only because of Jesus that we can be accepted. God's love and and acceptance of us is not based upon our love for our neighbors, but it's based upon Jesus' love. For the whole world, God loves you and accepts you whether you love your neighbors or not. But because God loves you and accepts you, you can love your neighbors. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you first loved us, that you reached out to us while we were still far from you. And Lord, I pray that we may know deeply your love for us. And because of your love for us, I pray that we may be spurred on to love our neighbor. Lord, would you help us to humble ourselves, to be willing to see where we need help? Would you help us to be vulnerable, to be willing to expose ourselves? And would you deepen our relationships with our neighbors? Would we both receive and give love to our neighbors. Lord, make us a church that is for our city. Make us a church that is for our neighbors. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.